0: Hello and welcome to E3 Energy and Efficiency with Emily. I'm your host, Emily Mottram. This podcast is all about architecture, building science, and female entrepreneurship. So prepare to get nerdy. Welcome back to the podcast, Energy and Efficiency with Emily. Today we have Matt on and he is a teacher and I am gonna let him tell you a little bit more about where he is, what he does, what his background is, and then we'll get into our discussion.
1: Welcome. Uh, hello. Hey, thanks for having me on, Emily. This is pretty cool. Um, my name's Matt Bloomquist. Um, I'm a teacher here in Taylorville, Illinois at the Taylorville High School. Um, I have graduated from University of Missouri um, I didn't really have plans to go into construction. I, it was just a hobby or something I liked to do. And uh, I got into, uh, I got a minor in interior design and pre-architecture. Um, I came home from school, didn't really still know what I was going to do. Um, and I worked for a carpentry, uh, a carpenter here in town as a close friend and said, Hey, can you, uh, you need some help while I find, find a real job? <laughs> and <laughs> here we are. So I've been doing it for quite a while. I graduated college. Oh man. Was that oh three? Um, so I've been in the industry for a while. Um, worked for him. He passed away, unfortunately, from cancer. So me and a buddy uh took over the business. We did that for about eight years, and that was quite fun since it was through the recession. (laughs) Um, and then he was his family was starting to grow and stuff. Um, an opportunity came for him to get a job with benefits and all that stuff. He took it that same summer. I actually got a j- opportunity to uh, start teaching in the prison here locally uh, for a uh, college, um, doing the building con- uh, the construction occupations program certificate program. So I did that for four years, uh, and then the high school I actually graduated from um, the teacher was leaving to take a principal job at a uh, career center. Um, they asked if I'd be interested. I got my certificate, and now I'm on my third year. Um, and this is the year we relaunched the house building program that we've had since the '60s. Um, we're on house 27 of the program's history. Um, things obviously have gotten very interesting with the schools here lately. So um, right now we uh, we do have a backup. Pre- I have a backup plan here for working on the house. But uh, one big things we wanted to do here with the house was uh, uh, I wanted to incorporate building science. It's something I'd kind of been watching keeping an eye on, it it interested me, um, building more efficiently, um, obviously tighter. So over the summer, I pretty much got a crash course, thanks to Instagram, on on, uh, air tightness and air sealing and everything. Um, Big thanks to Jake Bruton and uh, Steve Basic for helping me out with that, um, along with the rest of the building science community on Instagram and so my kids know how to do that now so it's i'm still a student of it but um i'm trying to learn as much as i can to teach them as much as i can uh which is kind of where i met travis um the, that was on the show uh, a few episodes ago from kansas city he had us builders um we've gotten to know each other stuff in fact he talked about our program on there um, and then I found out about your podcast, and started listening to your podcast, and here we are today.
0: It's a small world, and it seems um, it seems so crazy to me that Instagram is like the place for building science. Yeah. But, It's really grown um, as far as the people that I know. We have, um, and I talked about this in the last podcast that I recorded, uh, but I think that it's not up yet, um, which is, you know, the East Coast and, you know, Maine, New England seems to have this really big population of building science people. So then when I met Travis and everybody else and it's moving across the country, I'm like, oh everybody is out there they are you know and so um maybe it's the whole idea of just kind of coming together and finally sharing a lot of that building science knowledge is it's fascinating and the whole bs in beer concept and just getting together and it's just it's fun and it's you know, it's not one of those learning seminars, you know, it's really informal. People go in, they talk about ideas, you know, we beat ideas back and forth because um, as some people who have listened to the podcast for a while know that my favorite thing to say is, well, it depends. Like, how are you going to do that? Well, it, you know, it depends. And so I love about the BS and Beard and the other building science discussion groups is that you can go in there. It's a safe environment to just basically... Say, hey, I want to do it like this. Who's tried it? You know, and yeah. sort of a joke that a lot of us have tried it all. So um, but I, like you, have a real passion for teaching and especially at the high school level. Um, a couple of years ago, I actually had the privilege of doing something similar. I designed a high performance house. Um, it was built by a or it was funded by a community action agency, and it was built by our RSU nine high school students and nice. an, an on-site contractor. So they were really excited. They had in the past built houses, but like you said, you know, there's kind of a recession for a while. They sort of stopped doing the full house build. You know, it was hard to truck people to the sites, you know, it gets complicated. And so they had stopped doing it for a little bit. And when they got back into it, they were like, had been building sheds and still learning all the trade yeah. programs because part of the, the trade uh, high school. But they were like, okay, we're going to build this house. And it was so cool to see them just get into it you know to this to the next level and um it was for a client who who lived in an older home that needed to be replaced so it was a home replacement project so we actually built the house in the front yard of the existing house so you know the homeowners got to be there and see this thing go together at the same time and it was so exciting Um, for them, just, you know, building a house that, that trade. And so I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about your program and what you're you know specifically doing. I know you said air sealing. Um, what have you tried? You said crash course. So what have yeah. you tried?
1: <laughs> so um, you know, in fact, we're building on a property here that uh, one of the realtors here in town donated to us. Cause not this December, last December, December was it second, I think. Uh we got hit directly by a big tornado. White I mean it, it oh, hit wow. us hard and hit us bad. Um so uh luckily no deaths or anything, but still the town areas of town are getting a major facelift. Um so the realtor had a house on the property we're building. The tree fell down, took out half of it, it was an old house. Um the lot. He's like, you know what, it's worth more to donate it um and try to try to sell it and stuff. So um community involvement here has been great with that. Um, so that's how we started as far as acquiring a lot. Um, then for the nice thing, I have a very supportive administration. Um, they pretty much said, Hey Matt, we're gonna build a house. Do you wanna you wanna run the program? Or we're bringing it back, Do you wanna run it? I'm like, Yeah, great, that'd be awesome. Okay, go build a house. That's it. You know, everybody's like, How'd you get them to how'd you get them to be, the, you know, build?" the way you're building. I was like, I said, this is what we're doing. They said, okay. So, um, and then now this is where I was like, oh man, now I got to figure out how to do this. But it just happened at this time. Um, I'm fine home building, um, Steve basics, um, passive house for, it was for electrical engine, retired electrical engineer. And you know, it was airtight. It was passive. It was net zero, um, probably net zero plus even he charges his car with the, solar panels from his house i was like man that's awesome so i got thinking i was like man, we probably can't do that but we could do something of what that direction so i and at this point i was following steve i think on instagram i just started kind of getting bigger on instagram like as far as following and see what was going on uh same time i saw an article in jlc by jake Rutan, um his air sealing techniques and I was like, Oh my God, that's super simple. It is literally acoustical caulk and tape. So oh, I was man. like, I, I could, I could a do that, you know, as a carpenter. I mean, that's nothing out of normal procedures, you know, as far as any technical skills. And I was like, I can teach that to kids easily right. enough. So I was like, we could do this. So I actually reached out to Steve because I was like, man, because right now I'm trying to design this house. I'm not an architect, you know, um, and here in, Taylorville where we're at in Illinois I mean it's you can do whatever you want <laughs> like nobody's <laughs> checking on you kind of you know like you get your permit you get the plans you know it's it's you know I know you're talking about on when you're talking with the, about the aerial barrier barrier um you know how it's kind of like a wild west out there you know Maine yeah. you know the coast and stuff but you know same thing here I think I think it's like that all over the country especially in these small rural towns you know you just all right yeah. do whatever um, So you know, I reached out to Steve. Um, by the time we got connected, it was too late for him to be involved as far as designing and di- designing a house for us. But he, he was nice enough. He said, "I love what you guys are doing." He goes, um, "I'll help you out however I can as far as advice, so you guys don't mess it up and get it right." And um, like I said, "By this time, I found out who Jake Bruton was. He's down in Columbia, Missouri, which is where I went to school. So it's just a three-hour drive." So I called Jake. I said, Hey man, I introduced myself. I said, I'd love to build how you're building. And I want to teach the kids how it is. Of course right. he was like, yeah, that'd be great. He's like this summer, at the end of the summer, he'll come down he goes, I'll have a couple projects that'll be perfect for you to see. So, uh, the week before school started, I drove down to Columbia, spent the day with him. He showed me all the details and framing and taping and all the really simple, basic building stuff that he does that gets these awesome, um, performances, you know, um, lower door tests and everything. So, uh, I was like, great, I can do this. So we come back, we start, um, we, you know, I talked to those guys. I was like, you know, I'm going to put this all on Instagram, blah, blah, blah. He's like, great. You know, um, we'll follow along and then we can help you out from there. And so, and which, you know, that kind of grew, you know, I mean, I don't have, I think I'm, just over a thousand followers, but somehow I got tied into the very best people on Instagram. I think I could get into as far as the building science goes and in in the teaching world too. Like I've run into some great um, shop and trade teachers as well that we shoot ideas off of. So I got very lucky in the niche I fell into on Instagram. It's been very helpful, very supportive. Um, And we you know, we started doing this and Jake and Steve, I'd send them like drawings or 3D models real quick on SketchUp. Like, hey, is this how this wall is supposed to go together? Blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, that's great. Do that or change this or whatever. They'd see a post and they'd DM me and be like, okay, next time do this. Or you may want to go back and change that or whatever. So I was getting kind of instant feedback from these guys right away, which was great um, for me, you know, having kind of a uh, unofficial Committee, or whatever you want to call them, support group, you know, that I could get that kind of resource from. And so Jake and Travis came over um, here right after we got back from uh, Christmas break, and we had the envelope of the house done. We had a few penetrations, you know, through the walls, um, but nothing major. We still had to cut open recessed lighting and a couple, a few electrical things to go out and some plumbing had to be vented out still, but, uh, we did have the bathroom vents. And when we did our blower door test, uh, depressurized, we came out with 0. 0.53 pressurized was 0. 0.73. So we averaged right there at 0. 0.6. And this is the first time I've done it. First time the kids done it. So, and it was nothing special, you know, now, you know, at the beginning it seems like such an overwhelming thing to build this tight house. And then at the end of it, you're like, well, that wasn't bad. You know, like so it's super easy to do, I think. Uh it does take a little bit more attention to detail. Um, but I mean if I can have fifteen high school kids going gung ho <laughs> in control, I think anybody could do it. And I think that's kind of what my mission was to kind of prove that, you know, these or to verify, I guess, validate that what these guys were doing, they're making it so simple that there's no more excuses not to do it. Um we do have, a, we did use a little bit of spray foam. Um, we didn't spray foam the whole walls. The only place we had spray foam was down in the box sills in our crawl space. Uh, we have it fully closed off, kept encapsulated. It'll be um, conditioned crawl space. Um, and then we used spray foam open cell above our top plates just because I didn't, I, I missed the detail for the raised heels for our attics. And we have a hip roof and there are some places that. The only way we could do it was spray foam. So that's the only place that we use spray foam. Um, I know Travis is really big on getting away from that and does a really good detailed job with uh, um, caulking and can foam and uh, rock wool and stuff. So we may try going towards that. Um, the house itself, the envelope, we used uh, the R6 zip panel uh, for thermal bridging and everything. So that that worked out really well. The zip system from Huber. Um, They've been real supportive with us. Rockwool is in our, that's what we use for R23 Comfort Bat. And our walls, they donated to the project. Um, So they were very helpful with that. And then it was just really the framing details. We actually went East Coast and we put strapping on the ceiling. Probably the only
0: (laughs) house in in middle,
1: maybe in Illinois that has that. that (laughs) You were like, all these
0: Northeast people, they strap everything. We're going to try it.
1: (laughs) Well, and I I had thought, we should do this a long time ago, because um, what? So when everybody started blowing cellulose into their attics here, the attics, the ceilings started falling because all these houses were built, you know, I don't know, let's say fifties to the eighties. They're all nailed up, and especially in garages where the humidity, you know, is messing with the drywall. And um, I know three people alone when we had the business that they walked in their living room one day coming home the whole ceiling and insulate and insulation was laying in their living room kitchen. I just covered it all. So oh,
0: what a mess.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. And they're like, <laughs> and even an insurance company is like, I don't even know what to do about this. You know, like, cause it's nobody's fault really like you're insulating your house. So it's supposed to help. But, um, so anytime we did like remodels inside, we go back and re screw the drywall and the ceilings and, um heck we just had it put up in our attic at our house and i've already seen some bulges in our in the garage so we're going to strap the garage ceiling over the drywall it's already there but you know we put it in here and i we used it for the air sealing because we had the and band tech on top of the top plate sticking over so we could mm-hmm. air seal with our drywall um and we need that extra three quarter inch so that's why we use the strapping but for the fact that we're going to blow in you know 20 inches of ventilation up there it's a lot of weight and you know nowadays we use glue and screws and stuff so it and the drywall I think is engineered a little bit better to hold that kind of stuff but back then I mean you're just throwing nails on there and it sat there for 50 plus years or whatever and
0: just can't hold that extra weight and it shows it's sort of the joke um Back in 2009 when the market was pretty bad and I was doing a lot more energy consulting than I was design work, um, we would always say that when when you're blowing in cellulose in a house that you always need three guys. You need the guy in the truck who's feeding the hopper. You need the guy with the hose and you need the oh crap guy. Because... Then I mean, things like that happen you know there's yeah. an open wall cavity the plaster comes down like oops we yeah. didn't notice there was a paper ceiling here like paper ceilings they don't hold anything you know yeah. so it was um it's a really good thing you you hope you only make that mistake once before you're then like oh yeah okay right we got to double check this we're looking for these things you know but um it wasn't something you thought about because fiberglass or rock mold it doesn't weigh anything, you know, yeah. and so people are just blowing cellulose in everywhere and and they're not thinking about it. I think after a while, the cellulose companies kind of started going around like, oh, let's just go take a look at this ceiling before we go up there or whatever. Yeah. But, but you know, there was, a, there was a long period of time where it was sort of you, you learn the hard way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But... I find that happens in a lot of building science. You know, like in the 70s, we didn't think about the fact that we made these really tight houses and then we didn't put any ventilation in them. And then we had sick building syndrome. And then people were mm-hmm. like, oh, building science is bad. And we're like, no, 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 we're, we're gonna ventilate. You know, and then people are like, oh, houses need to breathe. And I'm like, no, 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 houses don't need to breathe. Like the people need to breathe, we need to control moisture vapor. And then they're like, What do you mean? And I'm like, Oh, yeah, right. Okay, so where do we have moisture vapor? Where is it going to go? You know, I was talking to um, Northern Built Pro, and he said Mm -hmm. in his area, they put poly on everything. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of a thing here too. Not for most of the building science people, but for like the rest of the industry. And you're like, well, no, we don't want to necessarily do that. Cause we don't want poly on the inside, and rigid on the outside. And all of a sudden we have a double vapor barrier. What happens then? you know? And so it's always fascinating that it's not just building anymore. There's a yeah. whole lot of science, which for those of us who kind of like building, it's just one more like, oh, that's cool. kind of moment I mean you hope it doesn't keep you up at night you think was that a good idea What you know (laughs) and so you know I'm with Travis a lot of us are kind of moving away from the whole spray foam thing Mike Baines talks about it a lot Um, I know um, at Nessie last year they talked a lot about carbon offsetting and really kind of understanding our carbon footprints Um, but sometimes you have to use it and like in your case it was one of those things where you're like okay well this is going to be really bad or a little less bad and yeah, you're like yeah. okay th- th- we got to do it here it's the same in maine we got a lot of old stone foundations i don't know if you have a lot of that in your Hard to be brick yeah and so like you know if it's not flat and it's not straight it's you're just limited on your options of what you can do and especially anything that was built you know in the 40s and 50s they didn't put vapor barriers on anything so the water's just coming in from everywhere and so there are some cases where it's still the best material to use yeah but in other cases you know if we can have a great detail like travis put together where you aren't using it i think a lot of us are moving in that direction so um i think having this I I don't know if it's different in building science or if it's just the people who are interested in building science are different but the community seems to really be happy to share
1: oh yeah that's been
0: one of the best things for you know me as an architect and and I say this to other people is I don't know everything and half the time I don't get to go to the job site to find out whether or not it was a good or bad detail and usually you only hear about it when it was a bad idea right so um, I'm starting to get to the point where I'm working with a lot of really great contractors who will talk through everything and we've created this whole integrated design process which I think is one of the things I like the best about teaching and working with the kids is you know I teach a sustainable design class, um, and it's at a community college. So not all of them are kids. Some of them are, are older adults who have been in the industry and have done other things and they'll come in with ideas. And I'm like, well, I never thought of that. Like, yeah, well, we could try that. That might work, you know, and then other people come in and I'm like, yeah, that seems like a cool idea when you draw it. but That guy on the ladder who's trying to stick the self-adhesive, you know, WRB on the second story. like." It's not as simple as it seems. You know, you put it on a panel in a factory and you tape them together, that's one thing. You're standing on like a two and a half story ladder trying to stick it to the side, totally different. <laughs> so um so it's fun for me to sort of learn some of those details and be out in the field with some of these contractors who who have tried it um and, and done different things. And I have one contractor that I work with it's actually a female and we've been building double stud walls for the last five years because it's easy it's a really easy concept I'm like hey I just want you to I just want you to build me another wall boom done you know and so um she's like we're moving towards um hopefully and we've been hearing a lot about this and maybe with everything that's going on right now it's really going to take off is building smaller I mean, Mm people, people actually want smaller. And so, but when you build small, you know, 800 square feet, double stud wall takes up a lot of space. And so she's like, well, what if we did? And I'm like, it's not going to be cheaper, you know, because so you got all right, maybe we've got a two by six wall and maybe we're going to use either cellulose or rock wool in it. And then we're going to skin the outside with, uh, you know, wood fiber insulation or exterior mineral wool. And then we're going to have to strap it because that doesn't hold the siding. And then we have to put the siding on, you know, and now all of a sudden you've got 16 layers of things that are going on. And so it's cool to think about in a smaller concept, a smaller house, you know, how do we get back to um, have another client who is um, allergic to petroleum products? So we've had to kind of oh. go like all the way back and try to minimize as much plastic as we can in the whole structure, which means glues and I'm like no plywood we're doing board sheathing on everything boards on the roof oh, wow. boards on the floor boards on the exterior you know actual two by lumber for everything we're building to just try to minimize as much as we can so that's been kind of that's like a new fun building sciencey thing for me um, I'm currently in the process of collecting a bunch of different products for her to test and see if she has a reaction to I'm like there's nothing I can really do about the wiring. So let's hope you're not nope. going to have a reaction to wiring, you know. But like, we could not use, um, you know, glue lamps and uh, eye joists and open web construction and plywood. Like, we cannot use those things. So, yeah. luckily, the contractor is really on board with that. Uh, and so, um, it's kind of a new, really interesting project to me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a nice thing working with kids especially they don't know yet. So, I mean, the good and bad thing is right now, they only know the way I've taught them, which is good because, I mean, I think I'm doing something good. The bad thing is hopefully they don't be like, well, 20 years from now, well, this is what Mr. was taught me in, you know, building (laughs) trades. Like, no, you guys, you need to progress, you know, and I think uh, that, you know, the building science, I think no matter how we choose to build whatever wall, you know, system we're going with or whatever. I think everybody seems to either be open to their ideas or definitely willing to share their ideas. Yeah. Um, because I think it's something where I think we realize, you know, especially for like architects for you guys, you know, not everything's figured out. No one, you know, like and I tell the kids, I'm like, I'm not saying this is the best wall. I'm just saying this is the best yeah. wall we could afford to do, and it's the easiest yeah. one for me to teach you to do, and you could this at any house you know where we live and stuff and you know we're in climate zone four um and it's obviously it's going to work you know um obviously we've only tested it once so far but hopefully um whoever buys this house from the program they'll let me come in and you know do a blower toward door test once a year for maybe a couple years or something just to see you know and uh or maybe get some feedback on what their energy bills and stuff are and um also we left it pretty much all electric so if they'd ever want to Buck up and put the solar panels on it. Maybe it could be net zero. I don't know. Um, I'll, I'll ideally, I'd love to get to that point. Building the house um, to that standard. Um, obviously, I know that brings up costs and stuff. But the nice thing is too with schools, um, people like to give stuff to schools. So. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's really awesome because I think that, um, one, we have a trade shortage. So, first of yeah. all, I absolutely love that you are teaching and trade high school and that hopefully some of these kids are going to be really interested in it and get into the field because in 2009, when the market got bad, a lot of people got out and they didn't yeah. come back. And yeah. so, you know, I, I talk to people, you know, when you live in your small bubble, you think like, oh, it's just Maine and Maine doesn't have any, you know, but it, it's a problem everywhere. And so. Oh, yeah. I'd Like yeah. I talked
1: to people from Canada and Australia and oh yeah, same, same complaints.
0: And so I would love to see, like let's start putting funding into trade programs like you're doing and say like, okay, you know, maybe you have somebody in your program who could be really interested in electrical engineering. And we get a solar panel person that comes out and installs panels. And so then this house that you, you sell is we've got some kind of government funding to get panels. Mm-hmm. Um, When I was doing a bunch of energy auditing, I worked with a community action and they actually did a program for a couple of years where, um, I think all they could afford at the time was to do a panel and a hot water tank for people, but they were installing basically solar hot water systems. And I was like, that is a great, you know, it's a great program. It's just one, one less thing, you know, and I, I've been trying to get that program. Um, there it's not. Built by the students, but it's actually built by the homeowners, and they get a group of homeowners together and they build a collection of six houses. a very similar scenario. Is they might not be builders by trade, but they've got a builder um, or project manager on site with them. And I mean, they dense pack their own walls and they put up their trust. A couple of years ago, these things were blowing, you know, 350 cfm for a three-bedroom, two and a half bath with a full basement. Like, I mean, these things. And then they're backdrafting their heating systems. And you're like, sure. oh, okay, like we, we need to move to something different. I'm a huge proponent of all electric. And you know, for the last several years, they've been making heat pumps that really work even for our climate zone, climate zone six. And so yeah. um, pretty much haven't built a house with fossil fuel appliance aside from wood stoves because this is Maine and people have wood stoves and they don't run them that often the house actually the the house that the students built the homeowners had a wood stove for years and that was how they heated their their older house and they were like we have to have a wood stove and I'm like we'll do it and we put it in and they used it twice the first year because they're like it's too hot in here to have the wood stove going we had one heat pump head that ran that whole house and they they wanted a wood stove. So, you know what? If they ever have an opportunity where, or not an opportunity, but a, a failure where they got to turn the heat pump head off and recycle for freezing or whatever, they have a backup heat source, which
1: yeah,
0: a lot of people like. You know, they got to have to open the windows because it's going to be really hot. But <laughs> yeah, it's um you know so so we are really moving towards the all electric, and I think more and more we'll see that. Happening, you know, and yeah, the question will be do they have solar panels and are we replacing enough electricity with some kind of renewable resource, uh, whether it's on site generated or off site generated? I think that's where we're going, and there's a lot of incentives for that, even you know. I I don't know if you have a statewide incentive.
1: Um, I'm not for sure, like I said, it's it's one of those things where. Even when I was building, I was more, we we're more remodeling because it was a recession. So we never dealt with a lot of, I, in my career, I only got to build a brand new house maybe three times. This has been like information overload on learning everything. And I just happen to also be taking in a master's program at Western Carolina for building a uh, construction management. And one of the classes I'm in right now, well, I'm in advanced materials and method and uh, sustainability and construction. And the two classes kind of, Go together, not quite nicely. And I mean, this is like sustainability stuff. I'm learning so much, like so much more. Like, and I mean, it's stuff I knew about, but just from being, you know, interested, in, you know, in this kind of stuff. But every day I read a chapter, or every week I read a chapter, and after I do a write up, and I'm just like, man, we should be doing that, or we did not do that, or you know, this is what we got to do in the next house, or. But it's you know, like for me, it gets me excited. Some, you know people, you know, on the business side, people, you know, you're trying to get in, get out and get paid. And it's just like, oh my God, that's a headache. Why would I mess with it? You know? And, but yeah, I think, you know, that's kind of what we wanted to do with this house to show, you know, even our local builders be like, look, we're not doing anything crazy. You know, we're, we're reducing, um, you know, hopefully reducing the use of fossil fuel. We didn't hook up any gas to the house. It's all electrical. Um, our hot water tank is going to be a heat pump water tank. Um, so hopefully, you know, it just runs off of that and won't even have to worry about using the extra electricity yep. running that and stuff. And, you know, we built tight, we did, we did all this and it was super simple. I, I, I need at the end of the year, try to do a price comparison to show, you know, compared to like building a house to code and stuff. Cause I mean, we use two by six walls. So that's what everybody uses around here on 24 inch on center. We've been doing that around here forever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously the sheeting. You know, going up to an uh, R6 panel that was a cost, but uh, we got R6 out there. That's a thermal bri- bridge. You know, we took care of that. Our windows we used casement windows. They're triple glazed from Marvin. Um, and really, I mean, it wasn't people need to spend a little bit more money on windows. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you well, build this nice, you can build this nice wall assembly, even if it has good insulation. Then you throw these junk windows, leaky windows, and you're just like. that was useless
0: (laughs) well i mean a lot of people in the building science world will tell you windows is kind of like the last thing the bottom of the totem pole but we've been um we've been really lucky that we have a a performance building supply here in in maine and he just carries better products and one of the things that he carries is european triple pane windows oh yeah and we put in marvin double hung i think elevate is because they had to rebrand it so i can never remember but the wood interior windows and we put that in the first um three of the five houses in our our solar subdivision that we did and although they're pretty because they're wood on the interior uh, they're fairly leaky the houses still perform with they still you know with panels on the roof are are pretty close they're either net zero or pretty close to net zero depending on the number of panels that the individual homeowners decided to put on their roofs um but then we rebuilt we we designed them as prototype houses we rebuilt the first house again and we we went with these european windows and i mean it is night and day how yeah. how different this house performs i mean you walk in there and you know the heat pumps are running and it's so warm and it's gorgeous and it's beautiful and you sit next to that window and it's not cold at all and it's not drafty and um and when we compared the pricing aside from inflation just because it's been more expensive to to build the last you know two three years yeah um even with shipping, they were almost the same price. So we can't even be using that whole like, oh, they're three times more expensive because they're really not anymore, mm-hmm. you know? And in in Europe, it's actually more expensive for you to get a double hung usually than it is to get a triple because that's just, they make their glass there. That's what they do. It's how, you know, it's how they've been building for so long. And so we'll get there, I think, eventually. Yeah, I agree. Um, and so we strategically instead of saying like oh we'll use cheaper windows we're usually like let's really think about where we're gonna put the windows and we'll just put less in you know like this r10 window and my r35 wall like oh if i just have more r35 wall i can make up for you know the the r10 window um and that's sort of how we took that approach and it's also how i approach my sustainable design class and and one of the things that i really like that you're doing with the students is Yes, you're teaching them that this is how we're going to do it today, but hopefully, what you're actually teaching them is, let's just think about this a little bit, you know, like, oh, that's not that's not quite the same as how you would have always built it, you know. It's a, in, in our class, we go through. I teach them heat loss calculations. Like, here's your standard code built wall, whatever. This is what's in our wall, you know. So you're going through, and you're like, here's your sheetrock, here's your studs, you know. Go through, and I say, okay, now go out and research high performance wall systems, come back, you know, I'm telling where to go, you know, go check out buildingscience.com and go to green building advisor and go, you know, follow these people on Instagram, see yeah. who's doing what, right. Come back to me with a wall system that you like. And and we'll say that that's how you're going to move forward with your project for the semester. Now run your heat loss calculations on that wall system. And the, I mean, it's amazing. It's, and then towards the end of the semester, I might go, okay, here's this energy modeling software that does all of it, so you don't have to do it by hand. But <laughs> at least you, you now understand what the process was, like what I was asking you to put in it, and I don't know. And so that's always fun. But I was talking to. Um, So on the Pretty Good House, which I don't know if you've checked that out at all, we did a webinar. Um, I ambitiously thought that I could do one every month in 2020, and then 2020 has just been a crazy, crazy year. And so um, we recorded one in January, uh, and we got a bunch of, you know, northeast building people together and one of the people on the webinar is a builder and Josh basically said when i compared us building a house that we thought was okay you know code built maybe build a little bit better but like you know just standard and then we compared it to our high performance and he said it was only like 1 to 2% difference in upcharge because they're doing the things that you're doing like okay what if we just taped and sealed this like what if we just used our wrb as the air barrier and we're not like interior tapes and exterior tapes and it doesn't have to be as complicated you know and exterior insulation on the building means exterior jams and you know extension jams and trim and you know so sometimes people are here's a Oh, that's so complicated. So you go, okay, double stud ball, super simple. Just everything goes in just like it would in a regular wall, you know, like, yeah, it's great. The best performance would be if you set that thing in the middle, but <laughs> if you can't, or, you know, there's some kind of monetary reason, like we can put them on the outside. And so that's what I love about, you know, saying it depends because there are so many different ways to do it. And so,
1: Have you seen what Travis and them are doing for the um, uh, BS and beer with the wall, the sweet 16 wall assembly thing?
0: I saw it. I was like, Oh, that's so fun.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, hopefully, I mean, obviously now, you know, group gatherings and stuff, I don't know how, you know, it may get delayed or something with them, but I know they were putting that and we put our wall assembly in there. Um, I mean, and thing is he was put, you know, on Instagram posting these and, I mean there's just so many things and it, you know it's such from a different area you know from you know you guys up there in Maine us here in the Midwest um and I'm sure there's probably some probably Pacific north you know Pacific mm-hmm. Northwest and south you know I mean that's the thing with the United States it's just so it's so diverse you know
0: It is. And that was my biggest problem. So I got into, well, when I went to college, I went to Penn State and I was always really interested in sustainability. My whole thesis was about, you know, upcycling and reusing these manufacturing plants in these towns and this labor force that like they want to do these things. They have this very specific skill. But then you know the steel industry leaves and there's you know nothing there. So like what can we upcycle with those trades, et cetera? Like that was my thing in, like way back in college. <laughs> and so then, you know, that went to taking the lead exam and then taking BPI and then energy auditing and then hers and then passive house, and like, you know, just stacking them all up, yeah. learning every different certification, like what's different here, what can I learn, you know, et cetera. Um and so I always was really super interested in, in learning those things. And so when you take that and then you look at pretty good house and that was kind of started here in the Northeast and they're like, okay, and I don't want to do a certification program and I don't want to spend $10,000 and do a ton of paperwork and have kind of arbitrary things that maybe don't work well for rural locations too. You know, like it's great that you can get credits for being on the somewhere where you can bike to work, but like, Hey, Maine's got one real city, you know, maybe two. Right. So we've got Portland. That's kind of it. Yeah, it'll,
1: we got Chicago.
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> There's and another
1: so like, cities, but we got Chicago.
0: Exactly. And so it's like some of these things, yeah, that'd be great, but we're in a rural area. So how to do Dan had just kind of said like I just want to build a pretty damn good house like that's what I want to build you know, and um, we started getting into it and in passive house and I've known a lot of these guys for a long time and started doing the podcast because I'm like let's just start talking about it like let's let's just get it blogs are dead people aren't reading pretty good house was supposed to be a book originally and there are still some people who are like oh I'd buy it as a book but a lot of people are you know like oh a website you know how how can I access this? But people mm-hmm. are listening to podcasts. So that's kind of how the podcast got started. And I'm like homeowners, builders, other architects, like people need to know how to get into building better without it being like, you got to take this major certification and do all this continuing education. And, but it can't be that complicated. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes it's even just like, how do I meet the new building code? You know, cause yeah. for Maine, we've, we've been on 2009 for so long and the ACH is seven, but you can do it with a visual inspection, which means it really is whatever, you know, (laughs) seven is kind of an arbitrary number. Well, when they, they're going to adopt 2015 and when they do that, it's going to drop to five and require blower door testing, I believe. And so that's going to be a huge jump for people who have been visually inspecting things for the last, I don't know, 10 years no, probably not 10. I'm sure we didn't adopt 20, 2009 <laughs> in 2009.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It never happens that quick.
0: Yeah. And so I got into doing the podcast and then, you know, through my meeting different people and then Travis and then you guys, and it was really important to me. Um, my husband and I went to Florida in October and I'm like, man, what we do in Maine, you would never do in Florida. Like well, okay you know so I just started talking to people all over the country then because that was what was so frustrating um back before it was easy to get triple pane windows as the U.S. manufacturers of windows were all making the same window for everywhere in the United States and I'm like yeah. that doesn't work like we don't want I mean, in some cases we want low-E glass, but like we want a really high solar heat gain so we can use that in the wintertime to absorb heat. But in Florida, you would never want that. You yeah. want to try to keep as much heat out and, and then nobody's talking about moisture. And so I talked to, to Betty a couple weeks ago and she's like, Florida's kind of like a swamp. <laughs> <laughs> we're, just, we're just trying to keep all the water out. And I'm like, oh man. Like we're trying not to push it into our wall systems and we're conscious of it in February when maybe the interior humidity is a little higher than it should be. And it's really cold, really dry outside, but they're just like a reverse swimming pool all the time. You just can't treat structures the same way we're talking um, to Lance in Colorado. He's like, we don't use a lot of natural materials in the exterior of our building because they just get baked. We have 300 days of sunlight. And I'm like, Oh, I mean, Maine gets a decent amount of sun it's great for solar but we don't get 300 days of just pounding you know close to the sun beaten exterior and we have a lot of wood so we use a lot of wood
1: yeah well and then for us we're right here in the middle and heck this week alone we'll have today was 40s and rainy we got 60s and rainy we got 30s maybe rain and then by the weekend i think we got 50s and sunny and i mean that's all in seven days so yeah. what do you do right like
0: <laughs> you're like i don't know the interior vapor barrier no vapor barrier all of it yeah. like
1: <laughs> yeah we get we get it all like we're so it's you know and then you know go north in illinois to chicago and then you're on lake michigan and well that just adds a whole nother right element to the factor compared to the rest of the state or even different areas of chicago if you're not right on the lake and so it's yeah it's I mean, yeah you're right. you can't can't build one window or one product or whatever you know that's gonna fit us all because like yeah. you drive three hours and it changes. so yeah,
0: so I'm a huge proponent of panelized construction. I think that that's gonna be really great, but I like the idea of micro factories that are localized to climate zones because you know what you'd build, first of all, you don't want to build something over there that you're trucking all the way across the country. But at the same time, you know, one of the biggest disservices from, you know, buying a house plan online, cause people are like, Oh, I want to save money. I'm just going to buy a house plan that everybody can afford an architect. Not everybody needs an architect. I mean, the Sears Robux houses were beautiful. Yeah. You could buy one of those out of a catalog. They send you a whole kit and it'd be like Lincoln logs and you put it together. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see that come back. In fact, I'm like, oh, this is Maine. Maybe we need like an LL Bean cabin or something. You know, something yeah, fun, yeah. 800 square feet, panelized construction, come super insulated, like. And you pick your climate zone, and and kind of could could be built in different, you know, micro factories, zero waste factories. Um, Bensonwood has this phenomenal unity yep. factory. I like. The to tolerance is of 132nd of an inch, and they just put yeah. this board over here. And oh, I need a board this three feet. Okay, that one will work. You know, it just, I mean, amazing. And then he covered like 85% of his roof with solar panels, too, because he's like, yeah, you know, it's not good enough to build really efficient. Like, we're going to make the factory efficient, too. I, yeah. I love what, you know, he's doing for, for our industry. Um, yeah, I just book watched
1: book. their uh, build show network they yeah. did with Risinger and those guys the other day.
0: Yeah. So it's so fun. And, and I know it's interesting because, you know, what they're doing with Reisinger and he's building in, in Texas, which is yep. so totally different to yeah. what you'd build in New Hampshire or in Maine. Um, but so I love this idea of these panelization kits of parts that would come that could be set up where people um, sort of the joke where this is my building envelope and you can do whatever you want on the inside. You know, <laughs> we're, we're stop kind of giving everybody the opportunity to make changes in our building structure, like building structure as building scientists or people, you know, is we're going to just build this better. Cause that's what you deserve.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and
0: then with whatever money you have left, you can do, you know,
1: make it pretty.
0: <laughs> and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be passive house, you know, it doesn't have to be a certified project, but it should be built better. I mean, yeah. we should, just like you said, you know, you, you have high school students that, built a building shell that blew a point five, you know point six air change like it doesn't have to be hard
1: no yeah it just
0: has to be a little bit more thoughtful so
1: yeah and that's why I tell everyone like like oh what'd you do I was like um showed them how to use a caulk gun <laughs> <laughs> I mean it doesn't really get much more difficult how to roll the tape you know Huber zipped System, roll the tape. Right. You know, You're gonna
0: actually roll the tape and yeah, break like, the beads, and
1: yeah. So it's like, it's not. I mean, I yeah I had to pay attention to make sure the beat. You know, I, I don't know how many times I said "continuous bead." Yeah. Of clock and explain what continuous really means, but it's building science. It's not rocket science. So,
0: exactly. You know, exactly.
1: it can be that simple. Like, and you, I mean, obviously, building science. Like, you know, you you can go down the rabbit hole as far as you want to go. You know, Absolutely. but. Uh, you know, like so. For me, the goal was, it's got to be simple, it's got to be teachable, repeatable. You know. Yep. I mean, I guess a good business model. You know, you know, be able to teach them, repeat it and keep on going and and hopefully. And now the kids understand. You know. You know, we talked about okay, why are we air sling. You know, air brings in obviously cold air, warm air, whatever. Mm-hmm. But what's it bring with? You know, they understand it brings in moisture and stuff. And even though if they don't understand completely about vapor or if they can't explain what a Pascal or anything is, they know that we we showed them when Travis um, and Jake were here, we had the smoke machine in there from Jake and we had to air out the smoke after the fog machine. So we did, Travis and I did a little experiment. We opened up our casement window, which is about five foot tall. And then we watched the um, reading on the gauge for the blower door test. And we opened it up until it got the three. So, you know, codes three. That window, a five-foot-tall window, was open two inches. So, building two code, I, I was telling all our teachers this. I was, I was bragging about the program to our teachers. We try to share all the good things that we do with the school. And I was explaining what this point, you know, point five means, you know, in terms of what your house is doing. And I said, here's code is three. If you go and open a five-foot window two inches and just leave it open, that's what your house is doing at code. Like. Yeah. And how many people are going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I'm going to leave my window open while the heat's running. Two inches. Nobody. And, like, you know, as teachers, we're always trying to find ways. Well, A, for me just to understand it. Sure. Um, But as teachers, you know, we got to make it even simpler for the kids or, you know, or whoever. It could be adults, too. Like, you know, your students to understand and put it into real world that they they can understand visually or whatever. Compare it to, you know, but by you know, you tell someone, I mean, as parents now, you know, my parents did to us, we do it our kids now, shut the door, you're letting the heat out, you know, like we're not air conditioning the outside. And as soon as I tell, uh, you know, the teachers that, yeah, if you leave the window open, a pretty good size window open two inches, and your houses are probably in the teens, <laughs> built right. back, in the whatever, you know, you might as well just take a window out of your house and call it good, you know, it's so you know, when when we were able to show that, and that was really kind of clever on Travis's part. Be like, hey, let's let's see what it is. So we just cranked it open. And once we saw it hit three, and we're like, oh man, that's that's code. You know, like that's that's rough. And you know, and like I said, you know, that's twenty what twenty eighteen code. is three for Illinois. So you know, if you're up there at five, seven, nine, whatever, holy moly.
0: That's what happens with every crack every gap every light fixture you put through the ceiling plumbing penetration every dryer vent whatever you know yeah. trying to explain that to them when we do heat loss calculations in our class my favorite thing to do is um i don't know if you guys have attic hatches but we usually have an attic is to show uh you know a three two by three attic catch, which is code you know so it's it's six square feet of the ceiling and they're always very poorly insulated or mm-hmm. not insulated at all. And it's yeah. like, okay, let's do heat loss calculations with six square feet with no insulation on it. And we'll just do code everywhere else. And they're always fascinated that that six square feet of uninsulated space uses almost as much as the rest of the ceiling. You know? It's oh, like, yeah. There's so much... So we, we do things like that in our classes too. It's like, oh, the, you know, this is your number and divided by this, and this is a five foot window. you have a five foot window in your house that's just open all the time, you, you start using things that they can visualize, or I think it's like every hundred CFM is a quarter size hole. So you start just like laying out the quarters, you're like, Oh, this is how many quarter size holes you have. You know, and they're they're not all just big holes, obviously, through the house. There are gaps and cracks and whatever, but it's something a little bit easier for you know, homeowners and students to visualize then, you know, like when you get talking sometimes in my sustainable design class, I'll get talking cause I'm super nerdy and I fully admit it. And I'll be talking some kind of building sides, and you just see it kind of like glass over. <laughs> like all of a sudden they're not paying attention anymore. Oh yeah. Like, wait. Oh, I lost you. Bring it back in, Emily. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
0: So it's fun to kind of equate those. I love that Travis did that with you. You know, where they're like, just yeah. the window open, like, okay, that's it that's it because no one would ever do that this is the same with the for the 2015 code that they're trying to adopt they're trying to push through ASHRAE 62.2-2016 which has um, some better ventilation rates because in the old code if you had a window in your bathroom that could count as like ventilation but oh, like, you would in zone 6 you need ventilation in the winter time who's gonna leave the window in the bathroom open in the winter like no yeah. one literally ever like yeah. maybe you like it cold to sleep and you left your bedroom window open a crack but you sure didn't leave the bathroom window open
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. well nobody even likes jumping out of the shower to grab the towel or washcloth they they forgot in the room that the door's closed, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Let alone have a window open in Maine. Really,
0: like the window open and it's negative 15 degrees out. Not yeah. going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so I think there are just some things that, you know, we're starting to get, you know, even if the code is starting to, to get better. And um, I don't know about where you are, but in Maine you don't have to be licensed to be a contractor. And so nope. I'd like to. I think you have to go
1: like Chicago where big city stuff it's more under control or more police there i guess
0: and i don't even care so much about the licensing versus not licensing but i think that there's an opportunity there to do continuing education to help people when we make code changes like how's that going to affect you and who's done some of these things already where it's like an easy transition from you know one code thing to the next you know because it doesn't have to be hard to air seal and it doesn't have to be hard to hit some of these things or you know the two by six wall with insulation in the cavity and no continuous insulation is not really an R21 or R23 wall because we've got 15 to 25% framing factor that you know there's like R five at every yeah. stud, you know, yep. so it's it's interesting to to kind of well I I say it's interesting it is interesting to me <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know I get going on some of the stuff the kids are like so I'm like oh, whatever <laughs> I no, think all right, it's cool.
0: whatever <laughs> I think it's cool just do it my way <laughs>
1: yeah in 10 years you'll think it's cool when you when you're paying your heating bill and stuff
0: <laughs> yeah I well I know I w- I did a um a home show last summer um my husband and I moved and we were in a different area and I'm like, Oh, am I going to expand my territory? Whatever. I'll go to this home show, just see who's in this area. And so I had my board, I had my blower door up first. So I got a lot of attention because people are like, what's this giant red thing? (laughs) Um, But then next to it, I had a little sign that I wrote on and every day I had a different, uh, you know, had a different plan and, you know, shown. And I was like, it costs $11 a month to live in this house. And I, So many people stopped to talk to me because of that. They're like, wait, it only costs $11. I'm like, yeah, there are 20 solar panels on the roof and everything else is all electric. So Mm -hmm. literally it is whatever the power company wants to charge you to be connected to the grid. Because we still heat with number two fuel oil.
1: Yeah, i say that,
0: yeah. Yeah, uh, which is kind of one of those weird things that all the Midwest people are like, what is that?
1: <laughs> yeah, ours is natural gas or propane here.
0: Yeah, so we don't have a lot of natural gas just in Portland and Bangor. Everywhere else pretty much has um, number two fuel oil, propane, um, which is crazy expensive, goes up and down all the time. So it just seems like a silly thing and electric. So I think that's part of the reason why we keep pushing towards all electric is, you know, it's something that's pretty easy and at least we know with solar panels we can offset whatever that yeah. is um
1: yeah well and that's the other thing too you know we build this house a certain way and then we sell it and the home homeowner buys it and then i don't know what they're going to do how they're going to live you know do do they have teenage daughters that are going to take showers for an hour or do they is it just the empty nesters that are just going to chill out and be home you know be here in the winter and go to florida in the summer like i you know who knows like how you know, how many solar panels is it even going to take to be net zero? Like, you know, could my family, I got a big family, you know, we got six kids. So it, it take a lot, you know, especially when it comes to heat and water and stuff. And, but you know, my parents, nobody lives there except them. So.
0: Right. And that is exactly what, what I was talking with uh, Northern built pro um, about with Randy about was, you know, he does a lot of energy auditing and does a lot of yeah. that stuff. And um, you can't, control what the occupant of the house is going to do. And so we often as architects and builders will build for, you know, the, the footprint of the house. So we'll say like, okay, we got three bedrooms. We're going to assume that's four people. We're going to provide ventilation for four people, but you know, you have six kids, they probably don't all have their own bedroom. So there's not four people, you know, there's, there's two in each bedroom, you know? And so, um, but The same with occupants, like, I don't know if you're going to leave all the lights on. Yeah, I can put in all LED lights, but I can't control how long you leave them on or turn them off. Or um, in the first zero energy house that I built um, with my contractor friend, Patrice, she actually lived in it because we wanted to test it. So we built it. She lived in it for two years. We tested, we monitored everything, you know, checked out what we did. Um, And her kids at the time, I think were nine and eleven. So, like, it was a struggle to get them to take a bath. You know, now they're teenagers and they're taking a half an hour shower, but like yeah. at the time, it was a struggle to get them to take a bath and they played outside all the time and the windows were always open. Like, it was so cheap to live in that house because they just they were never in the house. Yeah. They were out and exploring. You know, now they're teenagers and they've got their phones and their video games and they, they still both really love to be outside, which is great. That's a, you know, a, her parenting thing. But, yeah. you know, there's, a different homeowner in the first house now, and they use the house completely different than than she did when she lived there. That same house with a different user has completely different data. And, you know, like I don't know if you're going to do one load of dishes a week, or if you're going to do one load of dishes every day, or if you're going to do five loads of laundry a week, or fifteen loads of laundry a week. You know, and so there, I try to explain people like, oh, this is going to be net zero, and I'm like, well, it is designed to be net zero yeah. based on average assumptions for this size house and what most people would do. You know, yeah. there's this, some EPA data out there that said, you know, this is, we've averaged out the data of people on what they do. And this is, you know, cause like you said, at your, your parents' house, like, you know, it's just my parents, they live by themselves They're you know, never there. They both have jobs. They're gone all the time. There's, you know, yeah maybe they watch tv for an hour or two in the evening and like that's it
1: (laughs) so unless the dog's leaving the lights on at home i mean nobody's home (laughs) you're
0: gonna leave the radio and the lights on for the dog and the tv and you know that is always a question that seems to come up like oh net zero what does that mean and i'm like well (laughs) depends on the definition the program do you actually want it to be net zero do you want just my take on you know i'm a hers raider so i can do the energy model that says you'll produce everything you need to cover it based on average some, you know, you can get really, really detailed like the Wolfie passive and the PHPP, if you're doing a passive house, like has very detailed inputs. Um, and you can do that in a lot of the energy programs. Like I can put in your specific refrigerator and whatever, but I still don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> so, yeah. I think you should write that into your contract when you sell this house that they have to allow you to, to monitor it. Uh, you, maybe you can do it remotely
1: we are putting, um, I forget what it's called, but we are putting the thing on there that goes on the electrical panel. We are putting that on there.
0: In our solar subdivision, the same solar and solar has done the installation on all of them and the system that he uses works on Wi-Fi. So I can actually log in. And I can see all of their production data. Wow, that's cool. On each individual house. So that's uh, so that's really fun. He uses Enphase. And Enphase, if you have a Wi-Fi connection, you can just log in and see each of the, each of the houses. So that's been a lot of fun. It's been really interesting because we have South facing front face and South facing rear face houses and the road runs in, in between. And it's really interesting to see depending on where they're located on the, in the subdivision, how well they do for energy performance. And
1: like I said, I'm not an architect, I'm not a designer and stuff, but I had a, for this house, I actually had to draw it up and everything. And, um, I mean, we're in town, so, you know, it, it the lot is what it is. It's not like I'm out in the countryside where I can turn it and face it or whatever. And it, even then, I didn't, I'm not savvy enough in that to get that prop, correct anyway. So, yeah, like I said, I went the best I could do with what I knew. And, um it, you know, like I said, hopefully they do let me kind of see how it operates for them. And we can, you know, kind of know how well we did. You know, obviously air tightness, we know how well we did right now, how long will it stay that way, Um, things like that, you know, are easy to test and stuff, but, uh, and even seeing their heating bills, you know, maybe it goes, but, you know, I mean, what happens if they live, you know, like we were just talking, if they move out and the next people move in and stuff, but there's just so many scenarios, and I I think, you know, you guys talk about with with a good enough house, I think, I mean, that's kind of the right idea, you know, to do the best you can, and <laughs> we'll see what happens and adjust
0: if everybody had unlimited money we would all build living building challenge houses you know that worked where you processed everything on site waste water yeah. electric etc like it would, it would be great it's an amazing program for a very elite group of yeah. you know individuals if, but for you know if we want to have a major impact especially on climate change or just people's economic you know, status, we got to build pretty good. You know, we got to be doing better than we are right now, but you know, there's a finite amount of money and you kind of have to decide where you're going to do it. And I think it would be great if you could go and blow it or test it in a year or two. Cause that's one of the other conversations that I have a lot with people is yeah, your spray foam house or your whatever house is really tight right now, but that's all wet. Like what's going to happen when that dries out, Yeah, you know, that yeah. that wood is going to acclimate to here. The house is going to dry out. The sheetrock's going to dry out. Everything's going to dry. And then, you know, with cellulose, it modifies itself to the cavity and still works pretty well. Some insulations are, are good. Some are bad. You know, sometimes the spray foam separates from the wood. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, and you just don't know. Yeah. And there's not a lot of follow-up and commissioning of the systems. That's the other thing for us is ventilation and commissioning mm-hmm. of the ventilation systems. Like if we're building down to 0.5, 0.6. Like you need to provide mechanical ventilation, yep. but we don't always have somebody who comes and balances the system to make sure that you're getting it where you wanted it to be. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. yeah this, I mean, this will be the first time I write an owner's manual for a house. Like, yeah, Um 'cause because I mean, it's it'll be brand new because we'll have an ERV in ours, obviously, and stuff, and mm-hmm. you know, air makeup air for the oven, for the range hood, and yep. I mean, so it's all kind of new to me, and obviously, you'll you know here's who you should contact the services. Don't call me, but <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's fun learning all this. It's fun teaching kids. Uh, you know, it's like every class in every school. You have to five kids that are totally into it you got your five kids they're like whatever you got the other kids are just here because they'd rather be on the job site than at the school building and then you got five that have no clue what's going on you know so it's, yeah
0: it's it's just like any good class I yeah. taught um in the construct I talk energy auditing to the construction department at the technical college as well uh for a couple of years and Uh, The first thing I said when I walked into class the first day, I was like, if you think this class is going to be an easy class and you just took it because you thought I was going to be an easy instructor, you should probably drop this class and take a different class now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I (laughs) had... you're still gonna have those people who are just like oh i showed up to take this class and it was gonna be easy and then you have the other people who are like this is the coolest thing ever and there's the whole spectrum in between yeah
1: well when it started getting cold and rainy days and stuff when we were still outside i had kids tell me i think i'm gonna go to college <laughs> I was like, you can do that that's that's oh, time yeah, to you figure this stuff that. out you know it's it, this is part of it or become a really good finished carpenter carpenter and always work inside or you know or
0: yeah Be an electrician yeah or plumber eating you know, cooling guy you know
1: like yeah,
0: that, that's definitely true. I, I feel bad. Um, the students that built the house that we had here, um, we had an unusually snowy winter that year until they got all of the, like you said, people like to donate stuff, which yeah. is wonderful. So they got all of the stuff that was donated. They got all their funding sources together. It was later in the season than they expected. And I think they spent like half of their project time shoveling, <laughs> shoveling the roof, shoveling to get to it. So, you know, it actually felt really bad because they put the foundation in and then it snowed and then they had to shovel all the snow out of the foundation because they didn't cap it it was like oh man
1: (laughs) man whoops yeah
0: So like welcome to maine Welcome to working outside it's like it was sort of the joke that we didn't build in the winter time but you know with panelization and the years that we've had we've just been building all year for the last couple of years
1: see and when i was at the prison we uh the prisoners and i we would do habitat houses and mm-hmm. for local counties and stuff. And that's how we did it. We panelized them and yep. shoot, we'd knock out. I mean, we just did the walls interior and exterior, and it's just sheeted walls and stuff. But we would knock those things out. By the time we got the plans, we'd build the wall parts in the shop, go out to the Sally port, frame these things up, stand it up, check it, make sure it was all good, stack it back up. And the truck come, it'd take us three days to do a whole, I think they are about, the smallest house was maybe 1100 square feet. The biggest one was probably like 1600 square feet. And that was with they were two stories. So we do the first floor and we had knocked those things out. And I've, and I've been playing with the idea of doing panelization here. Um, especially mm-hmm. now that now it's kind of one of those things like, Oh, I just, you know, did a normal stick frame house and it was, you know, we did this well. All right. What's the next challenge? So whether, you know, and, and like I said, the Benson woods, um, yep. um, webinar they did with Rice Singer and those guys, um, you know, it got me thinking about even more and I, I got a good buddy who's a big time construction manager. Um, so it's the most commercial and almost all that's panelized. Um, and he was talking about, you know, about this and we, you know, we toyed with the idea of doing it. Um, and so I think it's something that I'll start looking into just because we do have a big, open shed at the school that we could build inside that shed so the weather wouldn't matter and then we could come out here and you know stand up the walls and stuff i mean framing went pretty quick cuz we had you know 15 kids in a classroom so you could spread out and you know like they, they could frame pretty well and stuff they so that went quick but the idea that we could just have it stood up um and then start working on the roof cuz for us the roof was what took the longest a is our hip roof so it had, it had yep. pieces and be, you know, people are comfortable working on trusses and roof, you know, that we can throw sheeting down. I mean, heck, you know, back in the day when we were doing it, we could throw sheeting down in a day and have a whole house on, no problem. Well, right. for us, I mean that took some doing. And not only for the kids, not really for sure. I had to be up there helping. So you got five kids up on the roof and you got the other ten kids hoping they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and not other stuff. Right. So you know it uh, the panelization it intrigues me still. And I would not be surprised if that's probably the next thing we try to tackle. And, and, or even, I mean, because I mean, you got sit panels and everything. Like I, I don't know if stick frame will ever be obsolete by any means, but it's just some sites when you can't get cranes or booms in or whatever. But yeah, the panelization, I just, I, there's just so much control over it. I think it just makes so much sense. And like I said, we would, in three days at the prison, we would knock these walls out. We'd send them off. They'd leave on a truck usually on a Thursday. The volunteers would show up on a Friday, and they were setting trusses and had it all sheeted in by Sunday with a bunch of volunteers and, you know, a handful of professionals. So yeah, it's I don't know, almost getting silly not to maybe. I don't
0: know. Yeah, no, I think it is too. And, you know, there are pros and cons to doing it. So we've been doing panelization for a while now and some of them go, you know, better than others. And a lot of that has to do with the site conditions and, yeah. you know, the condition of the foundation when you're putting it on there and the, you know, first floor deck and you're getting these panels from Bensonwood that at a tolerance of one thirty second of an inch. Yeah. But that doesn't account for like, well, your foundation's probably not to a tolerance of one thirty second of no. an inch. You got to make that first part fit right. And then everything else goes together really good. Um, and, you know, we've had just open wall cavities and those are great because, you know, you can make a couple of adjustments in the field, especially if you're doing a double stud wall and they're not connected together. Cause you're just like, you know, wiggle it around a little bit and it's, it's pretty simple, but you think about it as there's pretty much nothing that you can get for the inside of your house that didn't come from a factory somewhere, but we're still stick frame in the outside. Mm-hmm. And that part is actually some of the most important parts you know and especially if you can capitalize on it being in local areas so like we have a lot of wood here if we had panels that were made somewhere where they were also using board sheathing and whatever like maybe we don't need as much plywood and you know local materials and that's why i like the idea of the micro factories or like your kids building it you know in the shop basically creating their own panelization system especially for you it's like you get three weeks of rain and they're not out doing stuff. So you're like, all right, Hey, today we're building walls. Cause you know, it's going to rain for the next yeah. three weeks. And so there's something I think, especially as the trades move forward, there may be less and less people that want to spend quite as much time outside. You know, like your siding guy doesn't want to be outside siding the house in January, <laughs> you know? And so um, also with panelization and, and you said you had watched the Bensonwood thing, it's like they have hydraulic lifts for everything. Yeah. So, I mean, you can be old, you can be female, you can be short, you can be, I mean, you can be anything as like, cause it's not a whole lot of work. Like it, it's a skill. You still need yeah. to have a skill. It's not as simple. You gotta learn how to use it, but like, it's not quite as labor intensive on the physical hard labor because I think that was also part of the reason why a lot of people didn't get back into building is you know you have 40 50 you don't want to be carrying sheets of plywood up onto the roof every you know hanging sheetrock over your head and you know that so I think there are going to be some ways that panelization is going to help. And I mean, they've been doing it in Europe for years. I'm yeah. like, why are we behind on this? Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, are we, yeah. I mean, they, they've been just saying like, no, nah, you got to build better houses and here's how we'll help you do that. And here's the panelization and then take it and make the inside. But like, we're not losing craftsmanship. Maybe we actually could get some more craftsmanship back because yeah. we're spending less of it hammering nails on, you know, rough, carpentry and more of it you know doing the fun because people miss the they miss the craftsmanship of you know the old houses the the stuff that just you know the tongue and groove stuff that was put together you know the old mortise and tenon. I mean there are some beautiful things and people just don't do that anymore oh yeah so yeah
1: there's no way trimming out like a craftsman style bungalow built up trim I mean no yes it's a stock casing. I mean, hit the window turned behind us. I mean, that's about as fancy as it is. Yeah,
0: that's fancy. Yeah, right. And
1: because we put it, I put an angle on it. Uh
0: huh, <laughs> so, right. But,
1: you know, it was quick and simple. And, for, you know, this is for the mobile classroom, that was necessary. But, yeah, you don't have, and obviously, you know, it's labor, and that's the most expensive part of this. You know, for us, the nice thing is we don't have labor costs, but at the same time, right. we're not working with high end you know craftsmen either but doesn't mean we can't do do a good job just um but yeah it's you're you know for us that was one of the things i i was like we're putting the focus and everything into the envelope and so our drywall ceiling we are we didn't put any interior walls the trusses span the whole whole width of the house so technically somebody could come in to our house rip out every single interior wall change everything patch up a few holes from piping, plumbing, or electrical in the drywall. And, and have
0: a completely different layout.
1: Yeah, put a whole new layout, have a whole new house. But theoretically, the envelope could be practically untouched. So they could, you know, so it's still, a, you know, under code house built, you know. So, it, you know, it's, and the thing is with framing inside that wall like that, it really wasn't that difficult. So that's why I was like, you know what, the panels i'm panelizing the outside walls, leave the interior walls alone. We'll frame them when we get it, you know, inside the house okay. or under a roof. And so it's, I'm very intrigued. I, I think it's, uh, you know, and seeing how, because my first thought was, well, how are they they in these houses so tight being panelized? Cause you got panels. So every time something's connecting, you know, it's not like a stick frame where, you know, the sheeting can just be continuous um, at the seams. But now, you know, cause I remember when we were doing those habitat houses, it was like, man, if that wall wasn't perfect or something was like, God, that could be a huge gap. But then again, I mean, now, I mean, yeah, gaskets and caulking, I mean, and tape. Yeah, so I, the, I would feel comfortable to be able to seam that up even now. So Yeah.
0: I mean the Bensonwood double bead gaskets where their panels yeah. together are awesome. And then they put them together, then they tape the seam in between the two. I mean like the extra, like every layer on top of that, yeah. you know, or like you have an open, um, Open framed system, which we did. Um, We have a framer that frames open walls, and um, he would put the the fully adhered WRB on each panel section, and then he'd leave us a foot of gap, like on the so then you just peeled back that extra piece and you'd overlap those pieces together. And so then it was like, all right, all of a sudden, you know, that continuous air barrier is still a continuous air barrier. So it was really, it was really cool. Some of the innovative ways that you're like oh okay right all he had to do was leave an extra six inches or 12 inches or whatever and then when they put those panels together you pull the flap out you seal it to the bottom part and boom you're done it's like oh yeah okay and so there are some you know really interesting ways to do that and sega fen trim sticks to literally everything i mean just like everything (laughs) but you know so there there's some simple things you know and tapes and caulking gun is you know it's not rocket science like you said like it's just it's pretty simple so um but i think that panelization is really maybe where we should go it might take longer to get there there's still a lot of people who are you know doing really good work with craftsmanship and building these you know high performance houses that are saying like that won't save me that much time but then you get to talking to them and they're basically doing their own panelization on site you know like yeah. oh you we built this whole gable end wall system and everything before we put it up and then like we had the truss or we had the law there we had the crane there and we just lifted the whole gable end I was like so you panelized it yeah. and you just did it on site yeah you I know
1: mean. so you know when we built garages we always frame that whole gable end all the way because you get that yeah. point and it was always a, it was always a pain in the butt to try to deal with that. And right. so we, uh, yeah, I've, I've been doing the gable ends for, for a while now. And then um, the, uh, so, you know, panelizing, it just, I don't know. It just, and really what, when we build the walls and we stick frame, what is it other than a huge panel? <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. as soon as you throw the sheeting right. and stuff on there, it's a panel, right? So
0: right well, what's like, any different you, you didn't build it up right you probably laid it down and you stood it up and it's basically the same thing yeah so yeah and so and that's another thing with the double stud ball is it's just two walls yeah <laughs> like, you know you could even build only the exterior structural section and then build your interior walls, you know, in the house, once you're there, you know, if you kind of change anything, you know, build that in the factory, don't build that in the fact. Like you can yeah. kind of pick and choose the parts that you, that you do. Um, but it's great when you can get that all closed in and then like you put a little heat in there. It doesn't matter if it's January, yeah. like everybody's happy. Cause it's warm. We had a, we had a wood stove in, um, like an old wood stove in one of our houses that we were just using as temporary heat for sheetrock and everything. And you know, I show up one day, and it's January. Half the windows are open. Sheetrockers wearing shorts, and he's like, "It is so hot in here." <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just, it was tight, and it was insulated with cellulose and double stud walls, and it it was it was hot in there.
1: Oh yeah, we got electric temporary heater inside, um, and the kids will come in and. So we've, it's been a little bit warmer, 50s and stuff, and we, I mean, it's been staying, there's no insulation in the attic yet, um, yeah. and I mean, it's been staying seven low 70s in there, pretty comfortable. Um, yep. It definitely dried things out, um, we, which was good because when we were working on the roof, we got a bunch of rain, and it just saturated that floor. Um, yeah. And it, Vantec, I mean, it got it pretty wet, but man, it dried it out, and then the kids would be working on the walls, and they'd see like a stud twisted or bowed out. I bet we probably replaced about seven studs because it went out and but it was like, Hey, you know what? It's a good thing that happened right now. Cause it's going to do that behind that wall. And then you got yeah. all kinds of problems of cracks and stuff. So, um, yep. but yeah, it's, the kids will go and they'll try cranking open the windows and stuff. I'm like, guys, quit opening the windows. Cause it's humid outside. Like just turn off the heater. It, it'll be fine. You know, like it'll, lump yeah. out as far as temperature. It'll goes.
0: cool down in here. Yeah, but Take your take your sweatshirt off (laughs) yeah
1: i was like so i have to give him the lesson on hey you remember with how me humidity goes wet goes to dry and da 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 like you know let's just keep it keep everything's kind of acclimated right now it's it's the same let's leave it alone and um but yeah and that's the thing with it being so tight we don't lose a lot of heat yeah we don't have insulation in the in the attic yet but it's, it's it's just not seeping out you know it's it's staying in there in fact like i said when we with jake when we had that fog machine it took us forever to get the <laughs> to get fog out of the i think we in <laughs> fact we turned the blower door on
0: i was gonna see, you probably turned the blower yeah, door it it on out way. Out so
1: we could kind of get it cleared out of there and stuff to do the video and stuff with them but um yeah yeah it's i don't know it's it's going really well with the kids i'm super excited The way we're gonna handle this corona thing is uh um, I had some seniors from last year that really wanted to do this, but obviously we didn't have the program yet. So we're not allowed to let the students back here and stuff. There's, you know, there's, there's a school shut down, you know, liability, but um, those kid those guys can actually come back and they're, they're off That you know, they were in trade school or college or working mm-hmm. and so kind of not doing anything. So um, I got a few of the uh, guys that would be really good. They're going to come and help and work yeah. on the house and stuff while we're gone. Cause Um, Right now if we stay on schedule, we can have it ready to sell by the end of the school year here and stuff So um, those guys that didn't get a build last year are gonna get a help out here and stuff. So they're really excited and um, So this week we'll be finishing drywall and getting ready for painting and hopefully if the kids get to come back here at the end of the month um, Flooring and cabinets will start and so we're getting there
0: yeah, just a little bit at a time. I know. And we've been having that discussion too, you know, with our builders. It's like, okay, you know, are are we still building? Do are we taking time off? And it's like a lot of things that can be solitary activities, you don't you're not actually like in contact with the other yeah. person. So like there there are definitely some things that you could still be doing to kind of move the project along like yeah it's probably gonna slow down some because we've had some where uh we had one house we were really trying to finish it and like the electrician was there the plumber was there the carpenter was there the insulation guy was there the erv guy was there i mean there were so many people in there there was people like everywhere yeah but that's Usually, you try to kind of stagger some of that stuff. So it's great that you have a couple of people that will be able to, you know, come. They don't necessarily have to work on the same thing together. They can, you know, do some solitary uh, projects. And I think that that's that's how I th- a lot of our construction projects are kind of going to go um, yeah. forward here too. Is just you know maintaining some distance and number of people that would be yeah. on a site. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, know, on this. a job site in a house, lab like four maybe five people total and yeah we're not we don't have to be on top of each other you know it's one of those things where we're not even really handling material together or anything it's just you know and and these are kids who are you know i trust to be smart about what they're doing they're not traveling all over the place and you know yeah. it's, so it, it's it's you know i don't feel that we're creating any big risk but at the same time we'll, we'll be smart about the situation and sure that's to shut it down and completely then so be it but uh you know, uh, we're trying to keep the progress going. And, you know, I know those kids, I just talked to them today. They, they're super excited because they've just been like, Oh my God, I'm Williams, man, why could not we do this last year? And they were such good yeah. seniors and they would have been great leaders to have for the seniors we have this year. Cause we've got a good group of seniors and like it would have made this year so easy for me, like having kids that already yeah. knew what was going on. So, um, but I saw I you know, even though it's kind of a pain and sucks inconvenience, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know it is kind of an exciting opportunity for those kids the and it just shows you yeah know, that's little bit, a
0: great opportunity yeah, for and, them
1: and it shows community involvement again you know people trying to help out and stuff around here so which has been, sure. been great I mean I've been very fortunate when it comes to that. I can't yeah. think the community enough for that stuff. So
0: yeah, that's great. I think that we're gonna see a lot of community support as we kind of figure out how how to proceed forward with this whole my husband and I are actually traveling, so I'm self-quarantining anyway. But for me, ninety-five um, percent of my clients don't live in the state of Maine anyway. So we're really used to doing virtual meetings. So it's very easy to kind of shift to that business as usual, like still, you know, still working, got my computer, doing all that, which is great. But I know that there's a lot of small business and you know other jobs that it, that don't, won't have that ability. And so, you know, I think there'll be a lot of community support around, around the rest of them. At least I, I hope I have wishful thinking sure. that, uh, people will be as good as your community uh, yeah. are, uh, you know, here. So I appreciate you coming on today. I don't want to keep you all day because no. we can probably talk all day yeah. about, you know, building science and classes and teaching. And, you know, I started, um, when I was in high school, we did a Habitat for Humanity-esque type thing through uh, the church that I went to with my grandfather, who was a contractor. We went and we built houses and did things in other areas. That was how I got my start in high school, um, you know, in the tech programs, taking drafting, building and woodworking, you know, my grandfather and my uncle were both woodworkers. And so uh, I think I've always just been really interested in that from the very beginning because that was how I got started in it and I thought that was huge you know when I when I went to architecture school I already had a little bit of building experience Mm -hmm. and I think everybody should have to do that both you know one way or the other so that you maybe it's the whole idea of building science as you're building where you're just thinking on another level um but you know it's just good practice I think You know, get some hands-on experience and skills, and it's cool. So I, I love that you're doing that with your with your high you. school
1: students. Thank you. Yeah, so. it's, it's fun. It's definitely it's the most stressful job I've ever had, but it's been the most fun job I've ever had. So it's it's all right. Like it's uh, some people like I could never do that. That would drive me nuts. And if you don't have patience, you probably shouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Like for me, I, yeah. I have a sister. All my siblings are actually teachers. I have sisters little kids, you know, like kindergarten age, preschool age, and no way. Couldn't do that. Yeah. But high school, to me, is super easy. And and people always ask me, because I did teach out of prison, they're like, oh, what was that like? I said, easiest job you ever have. Like, because they're adults. Like, there's a big difference from adults to kids. And those guys, um, they were on their way out. So, they were super motivated. You know, some of them had experience. So, I learned stuff from them. And um, and, and a lot of them, they were going to be on home arrest. So, they were going to work on their house. So, they wanted to learn if they could. So. Um, you know, I've, I've had a very, even though my teaching career so far is only year seven, um, it's been a very fun one. And, you know, with the trades industry where it's at and the need that is needed in the trades with the labor force and stuff, you know, I really, you know, I think every teacher hopefully feels like they're making a difference and stuff. You know, I I get, I feel like I'm making a difference and helping the industry and hopefully sending it in the right direction with these kids and stuff. Because, you know, right now they they aren't just going to show up on a job site and know how to frame up a wall and use nail right. guns or, you know, what a saw saw is or circular saw. You know, they're going to understand what, you know, air movement is, air tightness, why it's important, what an ERV is, ventilation. You know, not that they may understand it all the way down to the, you know, finite detail, but they know that's important. And, you know, I think that's, you know, on the building science not- thing and just the industry, I think. You know, if there's more programs, hopefully there's more building programs out there, more get started. and if we can incorporate a little bit, even just the basics like we're doing. it's you know not getting too crazy yeah. with it, starting simple. you know, uh, hopefully it starts there, and that that's their baseline. And then hopefully that you know keep getting better. you know, like, okay, we did this well. What's it gonna take to get to net zero or passive or whatever? you know, stuff like that. So hopefully that's my hope for my students as they grow up, and even if they don't well, have a house and understand, well, you know, my heating bill sucks, my windows are drafty, you know, we're doing a remodel. How can we fix that right now? You know. So
0: Yeah. No, I think that's great. And I think all of my contractors here would would wish for all of your students to, you know, come in because we have that discussion a lot too, is, you know, right now. Uh, a couple months ago it was like we just want a warm body like somebody that show up every day like we'll show them how to frame and we'll show them how to use the saza and it's like oh you know not only are your students showing up and they're like okay you know we've had some framing experience we know how to use the saza and we have a little bit of building science experience they can then say okay this is how we do it and and they're just gonna grasp it on another level which i think would be huge for a lot of the builders that are moving in that direction is some of the people who are are in the industry and will stay in the industry are those building science people, the ones who want to do it, you know, just a little bit better. So you're giving them an invaluable skill for, you know, specific builders kind of in your area, which was exactly what I wanted to do with the high school program too. It's like, all right, not only are you going to come out and you're going to have some building skills, but you're just going to think about it just a little bit different. That's all I want. Like just say, Oh, wait a second. You know, and so it's awesome. I, I appreciate you, you know, sharing what you're doing you. and hopefully well, um, I have another high school here in, um, in Portland, I believe. Um, and the director reached out to me. He's like, Hey, I'm having my students design net zero houses and we want to build these things and we want to take it to the city of Portland. And we want to say, this is what we think you should be doing. Will you come in and talk to our students? And so, you know, some of these trade schools, I think, are starting to to get, you know, a lot of interest yeah. in it, you know, and so hopefully people will listen to this, and they'll hear it, and they'll be like, hey, that guy there, he's doing it, why can't we do it? Sure, yeah, and that's,
1: <laughs> yeah, and and thing is, I'm always open to talk, because, I mean, I'm not saying we're doing it perfect, but it's been fun to get connected with not only the builders and stuff, and the building science people, but the other teachers, man, I, I mean, every night on the in Instagram, there's probably a conversation or two going on or this or that. Or, hey, you know, we're trying this in class, especially now with this, you know, dynamic of school as we know it at the moment getting changed. Sure. Um, but, you know, one of the things I was talking about with Travis when he's trying to get, get the talk going for getting something started there in Kansas City area is, you just got to get them talking first. I mean, if nobody's talking, nothing's happening, you know? And I
0: think that is so true. And that someone asked me, and I can't remember if it was an architecture forum or where it was. And they were like, well, how do you get? you know, how do you get your clients interested in building science? And I'm like, you just stop telling them you're doing other things. And you just start talking about building science. And all of a sudden they think it's cool. Cause you think it's cool. You know, it's yeah. like, you just start talking about it. I, I had one, um, one of my friends is a real estate lawyer. He does a lot of closings and he's like, you're just so interested in what you do that you sound like the coolest person. I was like, I am so not cool. I am like the nerdiest person ever. I'm, I, I love doing this podcast and meeting other people, but I'm an introvert. I like to stay at home. I, you know, I like to do all those things people never believe me. I play a good extrovert on the podcast. Yeah. But, but you know, they're just like, you just get excited about it. And then they get excited about it. And then all of a sudden everybody's excited about it. And that's that's how you get it started. And like, you know the bs and beer i mean that, that's how it got started originally you know with the the first one the building science discussion group but performance building supply was just like other architects and builders who were kind of interested in it and it it's just really taken off from there so yeah you're right. it's, just start talking about it yeah
1: it seems like on instagram here lately there's been a new one popping up uh oh probably one each month it seems like I think there's one a new one in Tennessee area Springfield Missouri got one so they're you know got Kansas City Springfield um unfortunately the ones around me right now are five hours away and stuff but I'm hoping to get out there to Kansas City this summer with Travis and those guys um you know when it's it's a little bit harder for me being in school I can't just go five hours away on a Tuesday and no, it's...
0: no, but you got to start your own because that one—that's the other thing that comes up a lot in my um, in my class, my sustainable design class. Is uh, the instructor or the the head of the department is like, you know, everybody in the field. Like, how do we get them to all come in? I was like, how about we just get our students to come to one of our discussion groups, and then you'll have exposure to. 20, 30 people, you know, that they, Mm -hmm. so, so start one, you know, you'll start by they'll come out of the woodworks. They'll just show up. I, I talked to um, the arrow barrier gentleman and he did say when he shared it, that he's like, he decided he was going to start a BS in beer in his area. And it's like, it's all it takes. You know, all of a sudden, everybody will be, everybody will be talking about it.
1: Well, it starts with that beer there. I think that's what gets a lot of the trades guys in.
0: (laughs) I think it does, and there's nothing wrong with that. No,
1: nothing <laughs> wrong with having a talk over some drinks.
0: <laughs> yeah, you come in, we'll talk a little building science, uh, have a beer. I think that also, you know, like Mike does his at the brewery, you know, uh, and so um, I think sometimes then maybe you get some other people who were just there for some other reason who will join in, you know, yeah. honestly – His discussion group and the one in Portland are both like an hour, an hour and a half away from me. So every time I want to go, I, you know, but it's so much fun that I almost always go if I can make it.
1: Yeah. Well, I told Travis and those guys, you know, this summer I can make the trip over to Kansas. I got a lot of friends in Kansas City from going to school in Missouri. So, um, make a.
0: Yeah. When you're off this summer, you'll have to go down and and join them and And that'll be a lot of fun. And
1: then Travis, they just put together, um, what was it? The Midwest Building Science, um, What's the, pose it, some, oh, what the heck what was the last word? One of those smart scientific words I can't think of right now. <laughs> but anyways, it, it, gathering, you know, bringing in, you know, big thing and I uh, think they got Huberwood to help out with it and Rockwool and stuff. And I think they just got another sponsor. So I mean, he, those guys are doing some awesome things like, and, they it, are, and they he's are. really passionate and he's got, you know, and like I said, I'm really fortunate that, um, Jake Bruton and, um, Steve basic invited us over to Columbia and brought some of the students there and Singer and those guys were there. So I got connected to all these guys. I was following Instagram and you know, the students got to meet those guys and talk and they got, you know, Steve was doing like this thing uh, or a presentation to the kids that was just, you know, talking about wall assemblies and stuff. So when we did our blower door test, you know, some of the kids that were there were kind of excited. They started seeing that number go low, low, you know, it, it was getting smaller. You know they're getting excited because they they could see it they could understand it and stuff so um, yeah you know like I said they're over there in Missouri from they're they're doing some good stuff and luckily luckily I'm tied in with them you know and not so far away so it's uh, yeah yeah I know I see Kansas City awesome. in my.
0: I see Kansas city in my future because I you know, I've joined the podcast and talking to everybody that I talked to. I really enjoyed talking with Travis and I'm glad you said something about the symposium. Cause I got to get symposium, him back on. Thank you. <laughs> Cause I promised him that when he was on the last time that he could come on and talk about the symposium for when they're going to do that. And I was like, Oh yeah, I gotta get you back on and let's talk more building science. Yeah. And you know, everybody, I think that I've talked to has just been so humble and it's great. you know that, that these guys that you're like oh man they've been doing this for a long time they're never gonna be like well we'll come right up we'll run the blower door we'll do all that Mm -hmm. so you know it's just we're all just kind of really excited about it and so unfortunately it's still a little new which building science shouldn't be new but it's a little new yeah (laughs) and so you know it's still a lot of people kind of it hasn't become second nature yet but uh, a lot of us would like it to be
1: that. oh yeah 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 I'm I'm fortunate if those guys kind of let me be a little brother around those guys and it's been great. And I mean, and granted, I, I, you know, I see it now at first I was a little, uh, shocked over it, but you know, I, as a teacher, sometimes, I mean, you feel like, you know, you hope you're always doing something important, but you know, getting feedback from those guys and they're so excited about what we're doing. Um, makes me feel good. Makes me even more motivated to do my job and stuff. So, and to keep going like i said what's the next challenge you know okay once this house is done what what are we going to do that okay how are we going to do it better how's it going to be tighter how's it going to be built faster how's it what you know how the kids are going to learn more you know so it's it's fun for me so i appreciate the support from all you guys and being on you know on your podcast and stuff this is pretty cool and i remember when travis messaged me uh he actually said naperville instead of taylorville and he's like oh my god Matt, i'm so sorry i go it's all right uh, <laughs> Illinois is is a suburb of Chicago I was like it's okay and then I got thinking I was like and then I was you know I was listening to your podcast and you guys are talking about working with the high school kids I was like you know what I'll, I'll you
0: should come on here and I'll, what I'll, you're like, doing is fantastic and it's so important and the fact that you're really excited about it makes it just that much better awesome so um anyway you got Probably kids at home and things to do as we work out all this stuff. So thank you so much for coming on. We'll have you on again. I'd love to hear um, all about the house once you finish it and, you know, hear how it goes. Uh, And we can even do um, a little, uh, we can record a little video if you have a couple of pictures or something and we can show it to to people and put it up. So uh, thank you so much for talking with me today. I love what you're doing. Thanks Emily. Thank you. appreciate it. This was a long one, but I couldn't be more proud of what Matt is doing with his class, his students, and getting young people excited about the trades. So I hope you listened all the way to the end. And I hope that you enjoy the bonus podcast this week with one of Matt's students. You all know that I'm a big proponent of getting more females into the trade industry, whether it's architecture or building or any of the other trades. And so I had the pleasure of sitting down with Sydney and talking to her as the only female student in In Mr. Bloomquist's class and her interpretation of what it's like to be that person in the group and uh, I was very impressed with her attitude and I asked her what the hurdles were and she said there aren't any hurdles and that's absolutely the best attitude so I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast reach out emily at matramarch.com like us on apple itunes share it with your friends and if you'd like to be on the podcast please reach out to me and i'd be happy to have you on as a guest